Yeah, yeah, let's give it up. Let's give it up. Hey there, Resonate Church family. It is so good to see you, to be with you this weekend. It's an exciting Sunday here at Resonate. I want to welcome our online campus and our Hayward campus for joining us. Uh, It's a unique weekend, not only because we're starting our Advent season, not only because we're jumping into this new teaching series, Carols, but in addition to being joined by our online campus and our Hayward campus, this weekend for the very first time today, we are being joined by what will be Resonate Oakland. And so let's give Resonate Oakland a big round of applause. We are, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, we're excited. We're excited. Now, some of you may be wondering, like, when did we start a campus in Oakland? What's going on with that? And so before I jump into the message, I want to take just a few moments to catch you up to speed. And so a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ryan, during our Vision Sunday, he shared a compelling vision of reaching 1% of the Bay Area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our generation, what if Resonate Church partnered with other churches around the Bay Area could be a part of a church planting movement that could reach 72,000 people, brand new people, 1% of the Bay Area with the gospel. But he said this wouldn't be possible uh, through Resonate alone. He said we would need to plant new churches, partner with other churches to plant new churches. And one of those churches is the Movement Church in Oakland. The Movement Church has faithfully served and loved uh, the city of Oakland for over 10 years. And for the last time, yeah, praise God for that faithfulness, definitely. And over the last several months, uh, our pastor, Pastor Ryan, their lead pastor, Pastor Christopher, have been having conversations and our leadership teams have been having conversations and after dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of conversation and prayer, uh, these two churches decided that we would best be able to serve and love the city of Oakland and the Bay Area and beyond if we came together and we unified. And so on January 1st of 2024, we will officially have Resonate Oakland in the city of Oakland. And from now until then, they'll be joining us through our Advent teaching series uh, by way of video and live stream. And so uh, one more time, can we get excited about what God is going to do in the city of Oakland as the gospel expands there? Yeah, excited about that. Excited about that. And so now I want to jump into our teaching series, Carols. Uh, In these weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to take a look at four unique Christmas carols, carols that we've sung year after year after year, and find how they actually point to beautiful scriptures, beautiful truths in God's word that sometimes I'm not sure we know that the songs are actually connected to. And I have the privilege of um, going through Joy to the World and, and seeing how Joy to the World points us to God's word. Now, The question I want to ask to get us started uh, might take you by surprise, Uh, might um, cause a little bit of discouragement or uneasiness, but I I believe this question is going to point us to the heart of our text, and so I want to start off our time together by asking this. How can we sing and bring joy to the world when there's so much pain in the world? In 2023... How can believers in Jesus, 
with integrity, sing a song like joy to the world when there's so much pain all around us. There's war in the Middle East. There are natural disasters abroad and here locally, not just in our nation, but in your own homes. There's pain, there's suffering, there's heartache. How can we sing joy to the world when there's so much pain in the world? And in case you're not interested in this question, in case this is not something you, you want to lean into, I have three reasons why I hope you pay attention this morning. Three reasons why I hope you take some notes. Three reasons why this matters. First one is this. During the holiday season, the emotions of grief and sorrow seem to be exponentially amplified. Someone say amen. What is it about the holidays and feeling grief and sorrow during a season like this in ways that we don't typically feel it? Uh, This hits home for my wife and I in unique ways this year. Um, Just yesterday was the one-year death anniversary of my mother-in-law. And we will now celebrate our second Christmas with her not around the dinner table. And there's sorrow there. How can we sing joy to the world? How can I sing joy to the world when myself and my wife grieving and her family, what has taken place? Gone too soon, my mother-in-law. But I know I'm not the only one who's here, who maybe your Christmas dinner table is going to look different this year, maybe due to death, maybe due to a relationship that is unreconciled in your life. You're just not reconciled with your kids right now. You're not reconciled with your parents. Maybe there was a breakup in a relationship, and so you're just not feeling the joy of the season. Or maybe it's not relational pain that you're experiencing during this season. Maybe it's financial pain. Isn't there something about the holidays that remind us of how broke we are? Come on, somebody. (laughs) It just reminds, like, man, I want to buy these gifts. I want to have these experiences, but I just... I can't afford it. I can't do the things for my family. And maybe it points to a way you've been irresponsible with your money this year. Or maybe it points to uh, just unemployment that was out of your control. And it's like, how can I sing joy to the world when I don't have a job? Or maybe there's a physical situation that you find yourself in. Physical and health turmoil. And maybe it's you and so it's hard to sing joy to the world. Or maybe it's someone you love. Because I think if we're honest, if we're not experiencing deep pain during this season, we definitely know someone who is. Just one more area of pain maybe you can connect with me on. You know, at the end of the year, a lot of times I find myself not so joyful because I'm so ashamed of the person who I have yet to become. I was supposed to be more loving and sacrificial to my wife. I I was supposed to be in the scripture more this year. And the end of the year just reminds me of all my broken promises from January. Anyone else but me? Didn't work out like I was supposed to. And here we go. January's coming again. And I just don't even want to make another resolution. So maybe it's hard to sing joy to the world. And here's the second reason why this matters. When we as believers are insensitive and naive to the suffering in our world, we undermine our witness. Sometimes we offer these Christian platitudes like God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And you're like, yeah, but life is hard. How many of you know that a true word 
spoken at an inopportune time can be hurtful. Joy to the world, he's working out all things for the good of those who love him. And it's like, yeah, but my son is deathly ill. And so we have an opportunity to either undermine our witness in this holiday season by being um, unempathetic, or we have an opportunity to strengthen our witness by being compassionate, loving, sensitive to the pain in the world. Not only do we have an opportunity to strengthen our witness by being empathetic, but final reason why I hope you lean in, supernatural joy in the midst of indescribable pain is an underestimated apologetic to a culture skeptical of the legitimacy of our faith. That was a mouthful. I'll say it one more time for Hayward. Supernatural joy. Oakland, hope you're tuning in here. Supernatural joy in the midst of indescribable pain is an underestimated defense of our faith to a culture who's skeptical of our faith. Have you ever encountered someone who lost a loved one, who was going through a financial difficulty, who had some health challenges, and they just had the joy of the Lord in their hearts? How they were acting and how they were interacting with you didn't make sense in light of their circumstances. Well, that could be a tremendous witness for the power and strength and love of God in our lives. And so I hope we lean in to this question. How can we have joy in the midst of pain? It matters because we as believers, if we could have this joy, we could be a great witness for the kingdom of God during this season. Now, the good news is joy to the world, this carol that we're looking at today It finds its inspiration in a text that will point us directly to how we could have joy in the midst of difficulty. Joy to the world was inspired by a psalm that is going to encourage us. My prayer is going to encourage us deeply this morning. But before we get into the psalm, I want to give you some context to the song and how it was written uh, just for fun here. This um, carol... This hymn, it was actually a hymn which became a carol, it was written by a man named Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts in the late 1600s, he's from England, and he writes this carol. But before he wrote it, he was a famous clergyman who wrote a lot of hymns who actually had some renown in the area, so much so that a woman would end up reaching out to him by letter and saying, I'm so impressed with your work, so impressed by how you write these hymns, I would like for you to be my husband. Wow. Wow. Okay, it's Bumble before Bumble existed, okay? It's one of these dating apps before it ever existed. She was writing old school letter, I'd like you to be my husband. Because they'd never met before in person. So Isaac Watts actually accepts the invitation. He says, yes, let's meet. Let's get together at Starbucks. So she, uh, I was going to say flies out, but in the 1600s, I don't think that's there. So she walks over there. I don't know what's going on. And unfortunately, this doesn't go Isaac Watts' way. And you might say, why didn't this work out? (laughs) Let me tell you why this didn't work out. When uh, this lady's name is Elizabeth Singer, when she met Isaac Watts, look at what she had to say after she met him. This is wild. He was only five feet tall 
with a shallow face and a hooked nose, prominent cheekbones, small eyes, and a death-like color. That is cold-blooded, man. What does a shallow face even mean? Like, do I have a shallow face? That is cold-blooded. But how many of you are thankful that great art comes out of deep pain? Come on, somebody. Sometimes the greatest works of art come out of deep sorrow and sadness. And so Isaac Watts would go on because he needed some joy in his life. Come on, somebody. He would write from Psalm 98 the words to joy to the world. And then about 100 years later, Lowell Mason would put the tune to the words. And for some reason, it would become a Christmas carol because before that, it was just a words to interpret Psalm 98. So Psalm 98 is the text for us this morning. I want to invite you all to stand for the reading of God's word at all of our campuses. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. The psalmist David, he writes this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and the lyre and the sound of the melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord for this great Sunday morning. You can be seated in the presence of God. Before I jump into my outline for this morning, I just want to remark on some of David's opening words from this psalm. He writes, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. He says, sing a new song. And I want to start off this morning just by asking, causing you to think about, when's the last time you had a new song, a fresh response to the love of God in your life? When is the last time you bubbled up with words of praise unto God because of his goodness and faithfulness in your life? Charles Spurgeon, writing uh, a message and preaching a message on the same exact text, he said it this way, there must be new songs on new occasions of triumph. See, the psalmist writes, sing a new song for he has done marvelous things. When's the last time you praised God for the marvelous things he's done in your life? Now, before we move forward, I just got to talk about singing in church for a little bit. (laughs) Got to talk about singing in church because I know not all of us there in Hayward, Oakland, online, not all of us like are really into the singing aspect of going to church and being a part of the church. Some of you, you're like totally fine with coming 15 minutes late. Come on, somebody. Because you're like, it's okay. They do the singing thing. We just got to get there for the message. And that is a shame. That's disrespectful. Come to worship Jesus in song. But I get it. 
Not everyone would find themselves so musically inclined, but to those of you who would say, I'm not really into singing, I would just say to you, you like to sing. It just depends on what you're singing for. We all like to sing. It just depends on, for example, you guys know this song? Warriors, warriors. I mean, in a crowd of 20,000 people at the Oracle, big burly men that probably wouldn't sing in church, I see them singing to their warriors. You ever go to a college football game and see these older men and women singing these fight songs like their life depended on it? It's like, what are you singing this fight song for? Or maybe you're not the sports type. Maybe as you garden, a song comes out of your heart. Maybe if you're on a boat, maybe you're fishing. Maybe like, I don't know, listening to Taylor Swift, that really does it for you, gets a new song going. So it's not a whether or not we like to sing or whether we're musically inclined. It's whether or not is the God of all creation and the marvelous things he has done bringing a new song out of you. Now, once again, Ed, my life is hard. My friend's life is hard. My kid's life is hard. And so I'm thankful in Psalm 98, we see three marvelous works, three marvelous reasons why we should have a new song, three sources for supernatural joy. I'll give them out to you all out front and we'll work through them one at a time. The first is God's revelation. David writes something about the revelation of God that should bring us tremendous joy in the midst of pain. He also talks about God's memory, God's recollection. And we're going to look at a marvelous work God has done through his recollection. And then we'll close with God's retribution, his judgment. There's something special that should bring us supernatural joy about God's retribution. So here on Fremont, Oakland, online, Hayward, if you are ready to see the marvelous works of God in fresh ways this morning, would you say, I'm ready? Oh, come on. You could do better than that. 11 o'clock service. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. There you go. Let's jump back in Psalm 98, 1 and 2. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's made known his salvation. He's revealed his righteousness. He's made it known. He's revealed it. He's made it plain. He's opened our eyes to a way of salvation. Now, the psalmist was particularly talking about how God had led them through um, getting um, released from Egyptian slavery making his way through the Red Sea, making their way through the Red Sea, God saved him and he made that way known to the nations. When the Israelites were under Babylonian captivity, God set them free and the nations knew he revealed a way to be saved. But David's psalm here isn't only singing to what God had done in the past. David's psalm here is also prophetic, pointing to the ultimate way of salvation that would come through the person of Jesus Christ. That God has made a way for you and I to have relationship with him. See, there's, not a, there's a lot of things we don't know about God. We don't know about our futures. We don't know how he's going to work out this. He's going to work out that. But what we do know is how we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God has made that way known. And here's the observation I want to make about this. What God has already made known to us is of much greater consequence to our lives than what he hasn't made known. 
what he's already made known. Let me help tease this out a little bit. Some of you, you don't know how you're going to pay your debts. This financial situation, you don't know that, and that weighs heavy on you. But what needs to weigh heavier on you is that you do know how your debt of sin can be atoned for through the blood of Jesus Christ. You do know your infinite debt of sin against Jesus has been paid for, and that should bring you tremendous joy even in the midst of financial pain. Does that make sense? See, what we know has to weigh more than what we don't know. You would say, I don't know how I'm going to reconcile this relationship with my mom, with my son, with my husband, with my coworkers, with my boss. I don't know, and it weighs me down. But I do know it has to weigh more on your heart that you do know that you could be reconciled to God through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. You might not know how to be reconciled with one another, but we could be reconciled with the God of all creation. That should be a tremendous resource for joy in the midst of relational pain, in the midst of not knowing. With so many twists and turns in our life, and how is God going to do this, and how is he going to deliver me from this? I'm thankful that what I do know is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, straight road to the Father. No one comes to the Father but through him. Resonate Church family at all of our campuses. When's the last time you pondered and reflected and were grateful for that you know how to have a relationship with the God who knows all? Jesus Christ. Here's the implication, I want to say it this way. For supernatural joy to be a reality, valuing the infinite worth of knowing Christ is a necessity. That just has to be more valuable in your life, that you know a way to God through Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he said it this way, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Everything I know about the world and relationships and I learn in school, all of that pales in comparison. It's garbage compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ. And we here in 2023, we have that knowledge of how to know God through the person of Jesus Christ. This Tremendous, marvelous work that God has done that should bring us joy in the midst of pain. But there's more. God didn't only just reveal this. He also remembered something. God's recollection is also a marvelous work. God's recollection is also a source of supernatural joy in the uh, midst of pain. Let's take a look at what he remembered in this psalm. It says, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. He has remembered his steadfast love. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God that remembers that he loves his people? And he did this for the nation of Israel. See, by that time, he had made a covenant with the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he had made promises that he was fulfilling up until that point and that he has continued to fulfill. Here's the point I want to make here. Here's the observation I want to make here. God's memory is better than long-term. It's multi-generational. God's memory is multi-generational, and you didn't say amen, and you're looking at me like, why does that matter? Who cares? This is why this matters. I think one of the reasons why we could feel a 
lack of joy is because we feel forgotten by God. Some of you here in Fremont and in Hayward and Oakland and online, if you're being honest with yourself, what makes life difficult for you, why you find yourself sorrowful is because you feel like God has forgotten you. He's abandoned you. He brought you to know him. There was a time when he was speaking so loudly in your life, but right now during this season, you feel like he, he totally forgot that he called you his own. And I just think your heavenly father, my heavenly father, wanted to communicate a clear message to all of us this morning. If the God of all creation can keep his covenants over the course of generations to the nation of Israel, to his people, he's not going to start forgetting his promises with you. God has not forgotten you, Resonate Church family. In the midst of your chaos, he has not forgotten you. You know, I love Resonate movement music. How many of you are thankful for our creative arts and music here at Resonate? Yeah. How many of you are thankful that they write new songs for this generation? New words coming out of the heart of our house for our God. I love it. And if you weren't at our night of giving thanks, they introduced several new songs. They've got a new album coming out next year. It's going to be called Kingdom. They're writing it in collaboration with other churches around the bay. And one of the songs we sang during our night of giving thanks was a song called Covenant. And it rehearsed God's covenant with Abraham and Moses and David and Adam and in the new covenant. And as we were singing that song, I was sitting right there in the middle, and I just found myself in awe of God's covenant making and God's covenant keeping nature. It reminded me of the old song, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. As I beheld the covenant-keeping nature of God, an overwhelming peace came over my soul. God's been keeping promises for generations. His promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's been keeping that promise for generations. He's not going to start forgetting that promise with me. He's not going to start forgetting that promise with you. Here's the implication. Supernatural joy is possible because God's covenant faithfulness to his people is sure. You might not be able to bank on the words of your family, your friends. Come on, how many of you have ever been disappointed by mama? Come on, mamas, how many of you have ever been disappointed by your kids? Someone say amen. Man, you promised me. You promised me. How many of you have been disappointed by your job, disappointed by your boss? Someone made a promise to you, a friend promised, I'm going to be there for you, girl. I'm going to be there for you, homie. And once things got tough, they walked out. This is not our God. Our God is unlike the human relationships we have. He keeps his promises and we most clearly see that as he kept his promise by bringing the Savior, by bringing the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So hopefully at this point you're seeing there's some marvelous works God has done. And wow, if I kept my mind on those marvelous works, I might be able to sing joy to the world in a world filled with pain. He's made a way to know Christ. He's revealed how to know Christ. 
He's remembered his covenants over the ages. Finally, I want to talk about God's retribution as another marvelous work. Now, this isn't a marvelous work from the past. This is a marvelous work that God will do in the future. This is a marvelous work in the future that can give us supernatural joy in the present. Let's take a look at this third and final marvelous work. What does the psalmist write? He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. He will judge the world. Now, some of you are like, why is judging the world a marvelous work? Why should judging the world bring me supernatural joy? Well, wouldn't you agree Here in 2023, some of the things that rob our joy, some of the things that sap us of our joy and destroy our joy is the injustices that we see in the world. We're surrounded by so much injustice. How can we sing joyfully when so many people are being treated unjustly? And come on, let's just make it real in 2023. This conflict in the Middle East. Come on, right? If we're paying attention at all, there should be some sense of, Lord, when are you going to bring justice for those men, women, and children in Israel who are suffering unjustly? When are you going to make that right? Come on, Lord, there's some men, women, and children in Palestine, yes, in Palestine, who are also being treated unjustly. Lord, when are you going to make that right? That's not right, God. You're just sitting up there. Aren't you going to do something about this? Come on, when we see injustices here, stateside, black lives, brown lives, Asian lives. Lord, when are you going to make these wrongs right? And then, I don't know, we seem to just blame white people for everything. I don't think that's just. Lord, when are you going to make that right? There's women who are being treated unjustly in the workplace and in the world. God, when are you going to bring justice for women in our world? Lord, when are you going to bring justice for the unborn that are murdered, killed in the womb? Lord, where are you? You can see how These injustices, where's there room for joy with injustice on every side? But I'm so thankful. What does David tell us? What does David prophesy? He says, God will judge the world. How? With righteousness and the people with equity. There will come a day, friends, when the king of all creation is going to come back and he's going to judge the world and he's going to do it perfectly. I say it this way by way of observation. God will one day perfectly judge everything in the world that's been misjudged. Oh, come on, we should clap for that. We should praise God for that. There will be a day. Like J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, when everything sad will come untrue. What a day. And so that's a supernatural resource for joy in the midst of injustice that surrounds us holding on to the day that God is the perfect judge. Can we all agree we are imperfect judges? 
We see these conflicts in the Middle East, and you have a judgment, right, because we heard about it on Facebook. We see these conflicts locally, and we find a YouTube channel or a a video, and we post it like, this is how there's going to be justice. Nah, 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 nah. God's ways are higher than our ways. The things that are going on in our lives all around the world, they are more nuanced and complicated for our simple minds to understand. But I'm so thankful that I could give my simple mind to a sovereign God and I could say, one day, Lord, you're going to make this all right. So I could have joy even as the circumstances bring me sadness. Here's the implication. Supernatural joy in the present is the fruit of being convinced of God's perfect justice in the future. You got to be convinced. God's going to make it right. Right, I've said a lot of things up until this point. Some of you may even be thinking, what happened to joy to the world? I thought this was like carols. This is all pretty depressing at this point. <laughs> Let me uh, wrap it all up by uh, summarizing on the next slide here. The summary statement. How can we have supernatural joy in the midst of indescribable pain? What are the marvelous works that God has done that should bring us joy even in the midst of being surrounded by sorrow and for feeling sorrowful? Number one, we've got to be encouraged by the marvelous work that God has shown a way of salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. We've got to sing with new excitement and new focus, joy to the world, the Lord has come. The fulfillment of the promise is here in the person of Jesus Christ, and I now know a way to know God. How? A little baby named Jesus who would grow, live the perfect life that we could never live, die the death on the cross that we should have to die so that we can experience relationship with God. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We should sing with new excitement and new fervor. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. The promised Savior from the days of Abraham, millennia ago, he has actually come in the person of Jesus Christ, and he is reigning and ruling at the right hand of God. Joy to the world, the Savior is reigning. Worldly leaders, worldly systems of power are going to let us down. But joy to the world, our sovereign Savior reigns. Nothing is happening in this world without it being filtered through his hands of love for you and for me. As we sing joy to the world at the conclusion of this service, I hope these words, he rules the world with truth. I hope that comes through in a fresh way because there's going to be a time where he comes back and he will make everything wrong right. He will judge perfectly. Every injustice that breaks your heart, every wrong that has been done, every misjudgment that has been made, he will rule the world with truth. Not our truth, not your truth, but he will rule the world with his truth, perfect truth. Oh, but my favorite part, 
He will rule the world with truth and grace. Come on, Hayward. Come on, Oakland. Online, get excited. He will rule the world with truth and grace. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God in our lives? Now, how does he do this? How can God rule with both truth and grace? Because if he just rules with truth, we're all sunk. We're in trouble. But he can rule the world with grace because of Jesus. The author of Hebrews wrote it this way. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And what was his motivation? Joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See, 2,000 years on that cross, every payment for injustice, injustices towards each other, our injustices towards God, they all sat on the shoulders of King Jesus and he paid the debt for every injustice so that we could experience the grace of God. The most unjust thing that has ever taken place in the history of humanity was Jesus paying the price for our injustices against him. But through faith in what Jesus endured on the cross, we could be forgiven. Some of you, you come to this place this weekend and you find yourself heavy and ashamed for sins you've committed this week, sins you've committed this year, sins that nobody knows about. And I just want to let you know, Jesus paid for those sins. He endured the cross for those sins. You might ask, what was the joy that was set before him? What is this joy that motivated Jesus? A part of his joy was you. It was me. Jesus on the cross was thinking of the day that you would make him Lord and receive his grace. And for that, he said, I'm going to endure this pain. I'm going to endure this suffering. I'm going to endure my heavenly father turning his back on me. God, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken once on the cross by God so that you and I could stand in intimate relationship, face to face with God, unbroken for all eternity. Thank you, God. He rules the world with truth and grace. So we say, wonders of his love, wonders of his love. God, I pray right now in the only way that you can that the wonders of your love would flood this place. Flood those listening in Hayward. Flood those listening in Oakland and online and here in Fremont. Lord, may the wonders of your love overwhelm us. We may have lost loved ones, but the wonders of your love are precious to us. We may have financial difficulty, but the wonders of your love are at work in our lives. God, I pray in only the way that you can, would you meet us as we take communion in a few moments, as we sing joy to the world, Lord, would you, would we have a fresh encounter with you? 
God, we thank you for David. We thank you for the psalmist. We thank you for how he recounts your marvelous works because Lord knows we forget. Specifically for those who are just find themselves in a chaotic, painful situation where they can't feel your presence. Lord, would you make yourself known? God, the world needs to see a supernatural joy in the lives of people who, even when things aren't going their way, they hold fast to a God who holds them fast. God, I pray that you would save people amongst us this weekend. For people who don't yet have a relationship with you, would you just speak so clearly and let them know you love them, you have not forgotten them, you have made known a way of salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you for coming. We thank you that in your incarnation we could have supernatural joy. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.